0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Abby Hornacek. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown.
0: Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. Upon further review, a drug we've taken for decades when we have a cold or the
1: flu doesn't really work. There's no reason for it to be around. I agree with the FDA. The problem is going to be what's going to happen to the 260 products that have it in it for a close to $2 billion a year industry.
0: This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Just about all of us have done it. When we get sick with a cold or the flu, we pop a few pills. You know, like DayQuil or some other cold-type medicine to treat multiple symptoms. Well, it turns out, A decongestant that's in a lot of those pills, phenylephrine, barely works, if at all. Three large studies published the past seven years tested phenylephrine versus placebos, you know, those fake pills with no decongestant in them, and found virtually no difference relieving congestion. So a group of 16 advisors to the Food and Drug Administration voted unanimously this week that phenylephrine in pill form is not effective which could ultimately lead the FDA to have drug companies take those oral medications off the market.
1: It's been around since the 1950s, and it's been on the market as an over-the-counter drug, and it's been highly used since the 1970s as an additive to cold medications.
0: Dr. Mark Siegel is a Fox News medical contributor, a clinical professor of medicine at New York University Langone Medical Center.
1: Here's the problem. It actually goes through the gut and the liver so that by the time it reaches your nose, there ain't much of it left. So you maybe have somewhere between 1% to 30%, depending on the study, of the original amount makes it to your nose. So patients will tell you it doesn't work that well because it doesn't decrease nasal congestion the way you would want it to. Now, here's where it does work. It works if you use it as a spray because it does constrict the nasal membranes if it's applied directly, but you can't take it as a pill and have it get where you want it to go. The reason I would applaud what the FDA is trying to do here is because it has side effects, because phenylephrine actually can increase your blood pressure, your heart rate, it can worsen heart failure, it can increase anxiety, cause more insomnia, so it has some side effects that I find undesirable in an over-the-counter drug that I can't really control and ain't giving me the bang for the buck I want.
0: Yeah, and there's also the other concern with that, doctor, is if people think, wow, it's just not working, I got to take another one, and they may take too much of it.
1: And there's no evidence that two to three times the amount of 10 milligrams is the basic amount. There's no evidence that two to three times that amount even works. So... There's no reason for it to be around. I agree with the FDA. The problem is going to be what's going to happen to the 260 products that have it in it for close to $2 billion a year industry. Sometimes the phenylephrine is just added as an afterthought, and it's really the Benadryl or it's the Tylenol or it's the Guanificin, which is Mucinex, you're trying to get. I like Mucinex. I use that a lot. I also want to tell you that Sudafed works. But Sudafed, most of the time, is behind the counter because it's a form of speed if you take too much of it. It actually gets up there in the nasal passages. It's much more effective, has the same risks, though, of elevating blood pressure, heart rate, worsening heart disease. So that's something I'm nervous about, and I want it, And it's kind of behind the counter, meaning the pharmacist is supposed to be keeping track of it. And right, I right. think the best solution to all this is to apply the nasal decongestants locally or to use Mucinex.
0: Sudafed, the original version of Sudafed that you say is now behind the counter, it's not a prescription drug, but you have to ask for it. That doesn't have phenylephrine, right? The original one has a different drug in it that is effective by tablet.
1: And it's more effective than the phenylephrine is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's still around. And it, But again, as I said, it's behind the counter. And it's usually added to something. Like I said, Mucinex, Mucinex-D has Sudafed in it. Mucinex-D-M has dextromethorphan in it, which decreases cough. So depending on what your symptoms are, a lot of us use mucinex because it has a high amount of guinephicin. Not everybody tolerates that. Some people get uh, nausea from it. Some people get hyper from it. Some people can't sleep. Some people get a dry mouth. So it depends. The other problem with phenylephrine that I didn't even mention is that it also is not good if you have a large prostate. It can lead to urinary retention. So that's yet another side effect we worry about with phenylephrine. So again, other than the inconvenience factor, which bothers me here, I think, and the FDA advisory uh, board committee advising the FDA, they're almost certainly going to do what the committee suggests. They almost always do.
0: This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Okay. Two things. If I have any of these 260 products that have phenylephrine in them, I don't have to throw it away. Right. I mean, I can still use those. They're not going to hurt me. I know there are side effects you talk about that you're nervous about, but it's not going to hurt me generally to take it anyway. Right.
1: If someone were asking me this, you know, I mean, in my office, I'd say, keep me posted on what you're taking. I don't like when my patients take over the counter medicines without my knowing it. I'd rather be in the loop on it. They can send me a message. They can call me. Even though it's over-the-counter, I think your doctor should be around because he, he may know about your underlying high blood pressure or your heart problems.
0: Okay. When you in- take the nasal spray, is it faster?
1: Yeah, because the, the nasal sprays work better because you're applying it right to the problem. And you don't have to wait for absorption into the stomach and then for the bloodstream to send it over to, to the problem. It's like hitting a mountain of sand with a pea shooter when, you, when you're taking phenylephrine orally. When you use it in, right in the nasal passages, it works.
0: So you say this drug, phenylephrine's been around since the 50s, prevalent since the 70s. It's 2023. Why are we all learning now that it doesn't work very well?
1: The studies have been accumulating. I think people have been... Someone wrote about... uh, a, A top medical writer wrote about this in the journal Science in 2022. It's been studied. The problem is that the studies that were done originally were not great studies in the 50s. And so once something's there, we have so many things we're studying that it didn't get the attention it deserved. But patients know it doesn't work.
0: I want to switch gears. COVID is creeping back into our lives. No, it didn't go away. But as we get into the fall soon, we've seen seemingly a rise in cases. I know people who've been infected. Where are reports that COVID hospitalizations, COVID deaths have been rising. Are we getting a wave again, do you think, or No.
1: I think we're getting a wave again, but I want to put a caveat to that. I think hospitalizations are up. They're about half of what they were this time last year, about 9,000. Cases are definitely up. We're not counting all the cases because all of us are using rapid tests. But there's a couple of differences. Number one, the virus itself has stayed within the Omicron family, and the subvariants we're seeing are mostly upper respiratory. So they're not getting deep into the lungs. You're not getting as much pneumonia. You're not getting as much lung failure, l- respiratory failure. That's really important. You get pretty sick still. You know, you get a flu-like syndrome and you get upper respiratory congestion, you get a sore throat. That's pretty much where we've stayed. And the offshoots of the XBB, uh, EG.5, and the BA.2.86 basically are similar. So the, the virus itself, as often happens as viruses have been around for a while, become part of the landscape. That's what happened with the 1918 flu. In 1925, it was still there, but it wasn't as powerful. It didn't have the same knockout punch. Secondly, and and, and same thing with 1918, secondly, we've developed immunity in the community. Immunity from vaccine, many of us have taken at least a few. Immunity from prior infection, which has been understated in the United States, but is extremely important. We have a blanket of immunity that most people have some. Okay. so that's where we are going into the fall, a weaker virus and more immunity against it.
0: Okay. this week, the CDC has recommended that most Americans six months old and older should get a new covid vaccine and the new booster. Moderna and Pfizer will have it available this week. What do you think?
1: I think it's good that it's available. I think it's a very good shot. I think there's been way too much attention from naysayers about how it's a slightly different vaccine. It's been tweaked. We're used to that. When the virus changes slightly, we change the formula slightly. You don't have to start, go back to the drawing board on that. I'm very confident that this is a safe and effective vaccine, probably more effective than the bivalent because it targets more directly the subvariants that are around right now. I said they're descendants of XBB and XBB is what this vaccine covers. So I'm, I'm for this vaccine and I'm gonna be recommending it for high risk groups, for the elderly, for the obese, for those with chronic conditions, immunocompromised, cancer, lung disease, heart disease, et cetera. The issue here is that the CDC is recommending it for everyone six months and up. I know why they're doing that. They're doing that because their data shows that of the children that were hospitalized from age zero to 18, Half of them did not have the pre-existing conditions that I just described. And they're saying we gotta cover everybody, kids too, because you know 15,000 kids got hospitalized over the last three and a half years. Half of them did not have obesity or chronic diseases. They're not telling you that a lot of them weren't vaccinated to begin with. And a lot of them didn't get the primary series and the vac- I just told you the virus has changed, and the number of hospitalizations is much lower. So I think where I come out is kind of where Paul Offit comes out, who's the head of vaccine education at the University of Pennsylvania, and I talked to him this morning about it, is that we should use the vaccine to target high-risk groups, the elderly, people with chronic conditions, offer it to everyone, no reason not to offer it, but not pressuring people who've already had prior vaccines have had prior COVID and are young and healthy, then it becomes much more elective. By the way, it's elective across the board. I don't, care. I don't care what the CDC recommends, really. It's their business, but I don't want it turning into more mandates. That would be a huge mistake.
0: Okay. If you haven't had any COVID vaccine yet, do you have to get the primary series before you get this booster, or can you just get this booster?
1: This will be the primary series. They'll use this instead because it's more current with what's out there.
0: Okay. All right. So for people who are not in the risk group, it's up to them, but they don't need it, in your view.
1: If they're young, if they're young and they're not and they don't have any of the risks that I mentioned and they've had prior COVID and prior vaccination, I think it's much less of an urgency. And also, uh, I'd like to see what happens as the as the data rolls out with the high risk groups. I mean, we're going to see a lot of people do take it and then we'll have more information on 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 what we should say to people who are at much lower risk they shouldn't be at the front of the line
0: dr mark siegel fox news medical contributor clinical professor of medicine at new york university langone medical center always good to have you on thank you very much
1: great to be with you dave thanks again